Well, 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 what is up, everybody? I am Kyle Pig, and welcome back to another episode of Crossing Broadcast. Hope you had a happy Hanukkah. Hope you had a happy Christmas, as Meryl Reese says at the end of the new Eagles album uh, while he reads The Night Before Christmas. Well, The Night Before Christmas obviously sucked for me. It probably sucked for you as Santa was placing presents under the Christmas tree, I'm sure, where you were having nightmares of third and 30 or deck absolutely attacking and murdering Jonathan Gannon's soft zone and the Eagles blowing multiple 10 point leads during the game. Listen, at the end of the game, at the end of the day, the game doesn't matter, but we got to talk about it. Let's bring in Ant. Let's bring in Kevin Kincaid. Fellas, how are we feeling? Good, man. No, I don't care. They're 13 and two. Who cares? Wait, you're healthy? Do I sound healthy? I feel a little better. I only slept for five hours last night. But the Soprano is back. Yeah, the silky, silky smooth Soprano is a little bit back. Good. That's good. My voice is back. Your cold sore is doing better. I feel like we're all moving in the right direction. That's here. correct. And, uh, yeah, That's good. You know, one step at a time, get healthy as we go uh, towards the new year. I hope you guys had a relaxing holiday. I did not. Um, did, did, oh, no. Did he unplug his microphone? Let's no, no, no. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Are you, are you already chalking this loss? You're just chalking this game up already? You're just like moving on to the next? No, because then we wouldn't have anything to talk about today. It'd be pretty pointless to do a show, right? Um, I actually agree with Marco here. That was it was a very good game. Very good game. It was a great game. I mean, it was much better than you know um, what was the game I watched the other night. I forgot about it already. Oh, Tampa and uh, the Cardinals. Oh man, <laughs> Tom Brady locked in a classic. <laughs> Trace McSorley. Oh, let's be honest. The Christmas game sucked, but we still watched them all over the NBA Christmas games. Besides the Sixers one for me. <laughs> Yes. I mean, yeah. I mean, I, I I can't be arsed to to watch any national NBA until the Eagles are done. Too much. Too much on the line. If the Eagles were like, you know, uh, nine and or you know, eight and seven or eight and six or whatever. Now, yeah, you know, maybe I would have watched Luca or some shit. But I just can't. I can't do it, Peg. I mean, I can't. I can't be. Uh, I can't get juice for the NBA right now. At large, the Sixers mm-hmm. have commanded our attention, of course. But I can't. Um, They've yeah. earned it. But we will, we'll and we'll get into that later on and stuff. But I don't know. It seems like you're seems like you're 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 flushing the deuce. Seems like you're flushing the deuce right now. You took a deuce, you're flushing it, and you're moved yeah. on to the Saints game, which I mean, I don't yeah. blame you. You can really only be moving on to the Saints game, but I think there were some some things that got exposed. Uh, so, some things I'm worried about. And you know me. No, Kev, no, no, no. Kev, 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 cut his mic. Kev, I sit at the altar of Jonathan Gannon. You know that. I've been in that <laughs> foxhole with you. No. I've been in the foxhole with you all no, season. It's not even about that. It's not even about Gannon. It's that we banned the word "exposed" from like usage. We don't say "exposed." We don't say "adjustments." I didn't see any adjustments in the second half. <laughs> I can't tell you which adjustments I wanted or which I would seen, but I had not seen any adjustments in the second half. Dak went twenty-four for twenty-four in zone coverage. I know Avante Maddox was out. Yeah. Blah blah blah. All this stuff. Yeah. But I know Anthony's going to pick right up on this. Kyle Shanahan comes into the link. You don't think he's going to expose that soft coverage in the middle? Well, I mean, it's it's to me the 49ers matchup is, is a whole different animal. I mean, I really believe that you're looking at a team that plays a defensive style that can contain the Eagles even at full health. Um and then it becomes a matter of how I think it's a good I think it's a good game, a very good game, but then it becomes a matter of how much the Eagles can contain San Francisco. I think that would be a nice game of or in like 
low low twenties, maybe even even one of the teams in the teens in a very close game between those two, um, and it just becomes a matter of of you know who can do the things that they need to do to expose the other team's weaknesses better, and that really would be uh, the case for me. Um, so I don't have I'm I'm like Kevin in the sense that I don't have major concerns coming out of the Dallas game. I mean I see the reasons why certain things happened. Um, I I do and I I've said it on this uh, show before. And I stick with this. And it's not just an anti-Jonathan Gannon thing. I think it's an anti, or not anti, but really a concern that I've always had about this coaching staff is that I think that they always feel like they're the smartest people in the room. And sometimes they are, but sometimes they're not. And they need to recognize, you need to recognize when you're not doing something well and be able to change it. Say, okay, you know what? Maybe this wasn't the right approach let's let's have plan b or plan c let's dive into something else and and go to it and i don't think that this coaching staff does very well you sometimes they do but i think it's i think you see it more against weaker opposition you go oh wow they fixed that that's good good nice nice job by them but at the same time you know you see going up against a better quality team and dallas is certainly a better quality team and it was just you know you're sitting there getting frustrated like why aren't they doing this? Why aren't they doing that? Why don't you, if Dak's picking you apart, you got to try something else. And I get it. Scott stinks, right? I can I agree with you. I think he's terrible. All right. And if that's your only option, that's your only option. But then you sit there and say, okay, well, let's, let's come up with a different scheme. And I'm not saying you got to, I'm not Seth joining you and say, you got to blitz, 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 because he the couple times he did blitz in the game. He actually got beat on the blitz. Dak picked it up pretty nice, you mm-hmm. know, and, and made some nice plays. So you can't just sit there and say that either, but maybe throw a little man-to-man in there, you know, or maybe, or maybe, you know, maybe have something that's a little bit different. I'm not blaming Darius Slay. I'm not blaming the safety for not coming over the top on the third and thirty. I know, yes, it's a play you should not give up. I'm not going to sit there and say, oh, it's a bad play call. It's a, you know, in that individual moment, that's looking at it in a vacuum. I look at the whole schematic. Again, you can't turn over, turn the ball over four times. That's going to lose you most games. But when you're getting picked apart like that on defense. You got to try something else. And it just seemed like the Eagles never did because they believed this was going to work. That's what they planned. It was going to work. And it just didn't work. And so that's my ultimate concern with the team. I think that they're the most talented team in the in the league. I just think that sometimes they get the coaching staff gets a little bit too full of their beliefs and are, are not willing to come off it. And I think in a playoff, that can hurt you. I think that there's a lot of truth to that. You know, I think one of the criticisms that people had of Gannon, even when the defense was playing really well and they were winning games, was that hey, if you're not playing with a lead or if you're in a shootout uh, where the offense doesn't have you up by two touchdowns or whatever and you can't just kind of cruise with that shell and, and play from ahead, can you know, ha- he, has he proven that they can go another route? You know, And the answer really was no because it, was, it wasn't really no. It was N slash A. It was like not applicable because they had not really been in that situation many times this year. I mean, how many bad games has the defense had this year? Dallas, D- Detroit. Yeah, Washington, you know, to a point, right? You know, where they Washington was moving the sticks, even though that yard per run number wasn't very high. So I do agree with that. I do, I do think that's a legit gripe. It's like, hey, we they haven't really been challenged to the point where Gannon has to come up with something else to figure it out. The only counter I can think off the top of my head to that is like Indy, like the defense really kept them in the game in Indy. Indy, as we know now, not world beaters, but still they were in a tough spot there in the defense. Won them that yeah. game. So um, I think it's more. I think when you look at this in the in, in a vacuum, 
I, I think one of our biggest problems as Philadelphia sports fans and media, and you'll probably agree with this, is this incessant need to place singular blame on someone or something. Mm-hmm. When oftentimes, like, everybody's to blame for that shit burger, that Santa sack of shit that we were delivered on Saturday night, right? How's that for alliteration? Or, uh, consonants. It's not your best, but it's very good. But you've always had very good ones. Yeah, consonants. I believe consonants is when you have non-vowels that sound right together and then alliteration is when you do vowels but anyway uh, Mm. diverting from that um they went down on the road with backup quarterback lost by six points in a game where there were minus three turnover margin and they had a lot of like i mean and i can't remember like a game where there were so many individual little pivot points where if they if one play goes their way then the the outcome of the game is different. Linval Joseph not falling on that fumble. Mm -hmm. Avante Maddox unable to make that sack on third down, up 10 nothing, Third and 30, you know? Um, Also, the the second Cowboys touchdown when Josiah Scott was in the first time for Maddox. I mean, there was like five or six or seven of those in this game where if one player makes a play, then whatever. It was especially weird, too, I think, in the first half where like they were down 14 to 10 or something, I think, at some point where – Avante Max had like two great plays, blew up the flea flicker. They had like tackles for loss, had a blitz that got home that wasn't there, and yet they were still losing. I was just like, man, it might just be one of those games where they're just in a in a barn burner here and just gonna have to you know see who scores last. You know? Yeah, yeah, and and, and unfortunately, I mean, look, well, fortunately in this instance, it doesn't really matter, right? It's it's a regular season game. You have a three, you had a big cushion. Uh, in the standings, right? So ultimately, if you're going to have a shitty game, you know, obviously nobody wants to have it on Christmas Eve against the Cowboys. But, you know, once you get past the fact that it was Christmas Eve against the Cowboys, it really is not that big of a deal, which is why you're not as concerned, right? And and I get that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it's totally fine. It's just that you worry that, I mean, if if you start looking, you know, they didn't look great. They didn't look great against Chicago. They, you know, they had a bad game there. They had some moments here that were not exciting. You know, yeah. And even if you get it back on track against New Orleans and then you rest everybody against the Giants, whatever, do you feel confident that, you know, you can avoid that one play that costs you in a playoff game? Now, I'll, I will say this. Yeah. The one thing that I really, I mean, I, the last time we talked about it, I said, you know, you got to prove to me that you could beat Dallas and San Francisco in back-to-back weeks in the playoffs. I don't worry about Dallas anymore. I don't. I, I really. I really don't worry about Dallas anymore. I, there's. A, there are more holes on the Cowboys, especially defensively, than I. And, and look, I know they were missing Leighton Vander Ash, a couple other guys, you know, and that 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 does hurt them. But I. I don't think that. I think that defense is much weaker. I'm not worried about it. That's why I didn't. We thought. We thought that they were. That's yeah. why I was petty in the write-up afterwards. I still think they're frauds. Yeah, He's I don't beat Gardner Minshew by six points at home. You know, I was like, yeah. so what? You know, you yeah. want if you want to crown the Cowboys and crown their ass, you know, and like, look, they're a pretty good team. They're a double digit win team. I, I'm not. I wouldn't be afraid of them. No, if they come to Philadelphia in the playoffs and Jalen Hurts is under center. Is anybody on here afraid of the Dallas Cowboys? No. If if both if look, I look at the way I look at it. Both teams at full health. Eagles are the significantly better team. Does John again play more man to man? No, I don't think he. I don't think he gets away from anything. But I just think that they're the same. They are a better team than Dallas. Do we have to do? Here's a problem. Football is such a complex sport, and everybody feels the need to chime in on Twitter and have some take or whatever. I think the smartest thing that anybody can ever do is say that there are smarter people out there who know better on this topic than we do, and defer to them. 
obviously that doesn't give us much in the way of content unless we're like citing their tweets and like saying this is what this expert says but did you see the whole quote that Sirianni gave yesterday about regular zone versus matchup zone versus all this you know it's like it's almost impossible to 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 parse and package these numbers it's like really nice stats that work Shield is great. Shield Kapati is awesome. One of the best out there. You know, I think he was the one who came up with the stat of like 24. What was it, Pagan? Dak was 24 for 24 in zone coverage. I don't have the numbers on me, but I think it was around 300 yards. And, and yeah, whatnot. we can only do what our eyes tell us or what the players tell us in quotes or what an expert can analyze on film. Like, bottom line, as soon as third and 30 happened, everybody's like, no Slay, no Scott, no Gannon, no Slay. We unless we're in the locker room, we don't know what the fuck the assignment was. And the, the call was. You know, not Scott happened. did say after the game that he yeah. got the call wrong, he got the call late, and yeah. he, and they quick snap and they quick snapped it and he was out of position. And you could see it in the all twenty two yeah. or, or different angles. He's like playing in front of Darius Slay. Yeah. And he's yeah. like trying to to haul his ass back to where he was supposed to be. Quick point the, on that, real by the way. TJ Edwards is the captain, play caller you know, for the defensive side, right? When they're playing dime, he comes off the field in that instance, right? So Kaiser White and Kayvon Wallace are in there. I think Gannon was asked about that today. I think he actually just spoke. Um, and I think he said something to the effect of like, normally we get the play into TJ and then he communicates it while he's coming off the field or something like that. So maybe that contributed to it there, but I'm not sure. But man, when we do, when, I, when like on my soccer show, you know, we have former players on. I always ask them, like, at the end of the show, I'm like, hey, what's one one thing the fans or media don't understand? Or, like, one thing that you talk about better or whatever. And the guys always say the same thing. They always say, like, you can analyze something some way, but maybe I was told to do something different. Yeah. You know? So, like, why did Slay stop running? Maybe he was told to stop running. You know what well, I mean? that's what it looked like. It looked like it was his own, it was his yeah. own read, and he said, okay, I cover this little quadrant, yeah. and – I'm supposed to have somebody over the top. That's... To have safety help over the top. Yeah, yeah, you know. So I, you know, I, I hated. By the way, though, I'm interested in what you guys think about this. I hated his answer. I was just going to bring it up. Okay, I agree ahead. with you. <laughs> no, I mean, how do you? So there's, you've got to be, you've got to recognize, even if it's not your fault, you either take responsibility or you don't blame anyone. You don't sit there and say people have to do their jobs, and kind of take. You say, ah, not my fault. Somebody else screwed up. I mean, you don't do that because you know yeah. exactly who that was directed. Of course at. you do. I mean, the fans are going to fans are smart enough to go look at it. OK, well, if it's not his fault, whose is it? Right. The other guy, the only other guy who's standing there next to him, you know, <laughs> right. yeah. practice of elimination. Yes. Yeah, so yes. Not one. It's the other. Yeah. So I mean, you just can't you can't. do. And then he has the audacity on Twitter when people start telling him, hey, man, bad reaction. You shouldn't do that. You know, you should come out and say that, you know, either take responsibility whatever. Then he comes yelling back at the fans. If you don't know football, you should shut your mouth. Whatever the line, I forgot. I don't want to say exactly what the tweet was because I don't. I don't want to misquote him. But we, you know, the same the thought process of you guys don't know what you're talking about because you don't know football. Like, come on, man. Now that kind of goes to Kev's point, though, that we we don't it, know what was but going it's on. Not, it's not the the reaction was not to the what happened on the field. The reaction was to what he said, and so we may not know the play. But we certainly understand human dynamics, right? Yeah. I mean, and, and you know, how do you how does your teammate feel when his guy that he's going to battle with every game is sitting there going, "Yeah, it's his fault," even if he doesn't say it out loud, right? I mean, it's, yeah, it's yeah. his fault. Especially yeah. coming from a captain, I don't I don't disagree with you and everything. 
Um, I'm trying to look at what his go ahead. Anyone else? I'm trying he's to look at a veteran. Things. He's a veteran and he's a pro bowl player. Josiah Scott is 23. I mean, what do you think Josiah Scott, the amount of shit he's been getting already for his role in that. And then to have the guy next to you, who's supposed to be a veteran, who's supposed to be like, kind of not mentoring you, but like being a locker room guy and being a teammate, like you can't throw a young dude under the bus like that, even if it's his, his fault. You know, I, I know it runs counterproductive to what we say, as fans of media, a lot of the times where it's like, Hey, we want these guys to be honest with us and like, give us like, tell the truth and all this stuff. Yeah. But, but, but not that, like, don't, you know, not to the, I mean, if you want to say, yeah, this is the call and you know, we blew it and this is what, you know, we probably should have done. We're all responsible for it. Then that's fine. But yeah, I mean, you can't just like dump a 23 year old dude back up, like under the bus. Right. Like well, no, no, you let the, you let the person who needs to be accountable, be accountable. So Josiah Scott, I mean, he said it. I mean, he came out and you know, like you said, I mean, he answered the question. Yeah. But it's, but you don't you don't throw your team yeah you don't throw your teammate under the bus. You don't you let him be the person who takes ownership. Can I say something real quick? I don't. Um, I, I, this is very WIP angry WIP caller of me to say this, but off the fourth and eight penalty where he had the contact with yes. T.Y. Hilton and then he was laughing and smiling and talking to him uh, afterwards, I was furious after that. I was like, I felt like the angry uncle. I'm like, what the fuck are you laughing about, man? Just like, yeah. just get back there and make the next play. That was a crucial part of the game. I, I felt, I felt the same reaction. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was like, don't, what are you fucking laughing? About? I was like Donovan on the sidelines. My dad used to get so mad at like Donovan laughing, or my uncle, I guess, used to get so mad at Donovan laughing on the sideline after like a three and hours. Yeah. Fuck, are you laughing? About? My my dad used to yell at Andy to get in someone's ass on the sideline. That's all he wanted. He wanted Andy just to yell at somebody on the sideline. Like growing up, you're like, yeah, yeah, you're right, dad. And then growing up, you're like, oh, yeah, probably that's not even that's not the case. No, that's yeah. not how things work. He's a little um, there's a guy I won't name him, but there's a crossing broad staffer, um, not one of us three who hates Darius Slay, who absolutely hates Darius Slay and thinks he's like, a, as you guys both take a drink, um, I think thinks he's he's an absolute loser and hates his hates the big play slay you know um moniker and i'm not a i'm not a fan of the way he carries himself away from the field i think he's a phenomenal cornerback there's some body language weird kind of yes he just just rubs me a little bit and again this is me it's a wip minute watching this is me watching athletes for years and years and years and talking to them and everything like that right um i just there's just something about him away from again he's great on the field i'm I'm not trying to take anything away from him he's a definitely a uh, all-star player pro bowl player I just there's just something when things go wrong, I don't like his rea- his reactions. He's got a little bit of you know what he has, and uh, Slay has a little bit of Kevin Durant in him. Yes, where where he's yeah. like he's he's soft, but he's a great player, and like yeah. softness doesn't often like time like he'll go like waste time bitching it with people on Twitter or something, you know. But then yeah. like Kevin Durant will, will do that, and then he'll like drop thirty five. See the, the, the next yeah. night, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I'll play devil's advocate here. I rather somebody be who they are than be this like pent up corporate fake guy, like externally. Yeah. Sure. Yes, I mean, I know but- who I know who Slay is, and I know what makes him tick, and I know he's going to go after some guy. And he's going to retweet everybody on Twitter and stuff, or he's going to, you know, uh, crying emoji laughing over a uh, a highlight of. Um, who was that guy that kept getting roasted on the Bengals last year? The quarterback. Eli Apple. Eli yeah. Apple. Yeah, he's yeah, going to yeah. do that stuff. And it's going to make me laugh and everything. I'm going to know exactly, you know, the body language issue stuff. Yeah. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm sure he's he's not always, you know, 
I, look, the greatest teammate to deal with sometimes if things don't go the right way and stuff. But like, I don't know, man. He's, he's playing at a Pro Bowl level this year. He talking shit all he wants, in my opinion. Yeah. I, I I didn't love the smile and everything, but it's like probably the tenth to twentieth. <laughs> Yeah, thing I, I think I, about. I, think, I don't want to drag this on much longer, but I mean, the, the only opposite to that, Kyle, is this. Um, and he's not to this extreme. But if you have a clubhouse distraction that gets to the point of, say, uh, Antonio, what Antonio Brown used to do, for example. I mean, he was being himself. Would you rather that and, and kind of blow up locker rooms? Uh, or would you, you know what I'm saying? Or do you want the guy to be closer to being core? Like, you can still have personality and toe the toe the toe the 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 team message and the team line and quarterbacks have always been like that. Quarterbacks, yeah, Jalen Mills, yeah. Jalen Mills, quiet from what we know and everything. Yeah, but yeah, but the finger wag when the ball was yeah, ten sure. feet over the wide receivers. <laughs> I saw Sante's son do it on uh, Monday Night Football last night. I yeah. think, and I remember Sante was in the locker room trying to get Les and Jeff to fight each other. You know, he was trying to be uh, Dana White and set up a set yeah. up a. Cornerbacks have always been really <laughs> brash and always out there and stuff and just all time like just kind of in, in an a- assholes because you kind of have to be. I mean, you're on this island and you're literally – the rules for the NFL do not help you do your job. It's very um, swag. Yeah, you've, it's a very swagger type of position. Like you're it's you're matched getting, up one-on-one with, with, with the greatest athletes that there are. Yeah, I mean, you got to – Ten times a game. Like you're legit like, – and you're like, okay, uh, this guy went, you know, eight for 53 yards, but that's a, that's a good game in my book. So like, now, yeah, nowadays it is for sure. Because they're, yeah, I mean, they're not allowed to play defense against yeah. receivers like they used to. So, yeah, you're going to get beat, and that's okay. Just don't, I mean, don't, don't let it, you know, don't be mouthy and then get beat and then complain. You know what I'm saying? That you yeah, can't I think have it's rare. I think, by the way, I would say, too, that the Kevin Durant type of player, type of mentality, like you, it, it's hard to not, – not a lot of those people are understood and accepted. He's one of the very few, you mm-hmm. know, and Darius Slay is a multi, multiple-time Pro Bowler, you know, so he should be there as well. I do want to make two quick points. Number one, Darius Slay is much better in man than zone. James Bradbury is much better in zone than man. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's like, what do you, how do you, how do you, you know, square that? So how do you reconcile that? You know, it's an interesting wrinkle that Jonathan Gannon's having to been deal with all year. Having to been, having to deal with, having to, uh, what the fuck am I trying to yeah. say? Um, the other thing is like, I, I saw somebody ask me like, why don't they just play like sticks? You know, like Jim Schwartz just used to stand everybody on the on the line, right? And don't let it let them throw the pass underneath, and then you just swarm them and tackle them, right? The sticks was very field position dependent because remember the Cowboys were pretty aggressive early in that game. They went for it on fourth down a couple of times. So say they gained 20 or 25, they would have been at midfield or plus on the 45 side of the of the of the field, right? So they probably would have went for it on fourth mm-hmm. and five or like a fourth and ten or a fourth and eight or something like that. So there's no guarantee that even if you sat back in like a really, really deep quarters or a even a deeper shell or, you know, sticks or something like that, that you wouldn't have allowed a conversion on fourth and eight. So, but the bottom line is like, like I looked at all the routes that they ran. They ran, it was like a three on seven back there. The defensive corner, you could have a blindfolded monkey point to like a, a the play on the clipboard and call it. And the, those guys should be able to keep, the, you know, a 75 year old T.Y. Hilton in front of them. Mm-hmm. Like, to yeah. be honest here, like you, you don't have to have the world's greatest defensive call of all time to keep T.Y. Hilton in front of you, you know, so. I do want to pull one more thing. I said this to Craig. This is something that Darius Slay retweeted uh, from Kenny Vaccaro, who I think is is a former or maybe present uh, quarterback in the uh, NFL. Craig, when you get a chance, pull that up. Uh, he tweeted this. Looks He retweeted this. Looks like cover two and your safety got caught in the disguise, which caused him to not have enough depth to make a play. Your hinge technique was elite. No crazy disguise needed when it's three, third and 30. Shit happens on to the next one. 
Don't love that he retweeted that. <laughs> I kind of feel like the throws just Scott under the bus again for getting caught. It's true though. I mean, basically, like they dropped just I Scott back, and then I think it was him and Blankenship and Epps are all responsible basically for like a deep third of the field. You know, I don't know if you guys remember like when you know the Eagles played Atlanta, um, you know, in the playoffs and they played them to open up the season the next mm-hmm. um the next year. They, Atlanta was a very they were like the biggest cover three team in the NFL that year. So basically like you're each responsible for one third of the field. So they, dra- but yeah, I mean, when you're starting point for your backup nickel, by the way, is ahead of Darius Slane, then he's got to run backward behind the guy who's holding at a certain point. And then yes, functionally, it seems like kind of a dumb thing to, but the, here, let's not beat around the bush. The, the larger point here as Ant will probably agree with me, not even the call, not even that play specifically, but you have a huge drop off from Avante Maddox to Josiah Scott. The coach has to put him in a better position to be successful. Like, you can't allow him to keep getting killed. And they, they just put C.D. Lamb in the slot and let him start cooking your backup while your CB, your, your two Pro Bowl-worthy guys are on the outsides. So I, I'm I'm of the mindset that when – this is not a hot take. I think everybody is saying this. But when C.J. Gardner-Johnson comes back, he's got to play in the slot because the trio of him, Epps, and Blankenship – is more like reassuring to me than Scott, CJ, Gardner Johnson, and then Epps, right? If I've if I'm choosing between those four people, Scott is out and blank and chips in. Cause I can live with, you know, it's just if average rookie safety versus like some guy who's continually getting just slaughtered in the slot. You know what I'm saying? I did want to talk to you about this tweet from uh Denise Salmon Selman. Sorry if I pronounced that name wrong. Um I think Craig's gonna pull it up right now. I think it's yeah. a Turkish name, Pagan. So we'll have, to, we'll have to get on our Turkish pronunciations here. Okay. All right. Cool. Cool. Uh, this is the tweet. If Avante Maddox isn't okay, remember that the Eagles have one of the best slot corners in the league about to come back from IR. Can easily see a world where Epps and CJGJ are the safeties in base, and then CJGJ moves to the slot with Blankenship at safety in nickel. What do you two think about that? Yeah, the thing is that they don't run a lot of. I mean, like let's base. be honest, like their base is really nickel. Mm-hmm. You know, I think they run nickel like as a top, like top five um, among all NFL teams. So oftentimes they have that fifth corner on the field anyway. You know, um, but yes, I, I would much rather live with with this. I just don't want to see Josiah Scott in this slot at all. You know, and yeah. and I'll give you I'll give you a take here too. This is maybe more of a hot take. I think Avante Maddox is a bigger loss than Lane Johnson. Um, well, you got to talk to the Beats who just want to consistently tweet out Lane Johnson's record. Here's with him on the field and off. Yeah, the field. yeah I, I, well, I mean, I think I well, if I I, I don't disagree with Kev, I, I I think that, and it's hard to say that. I mean, Lane Johnson's a Pro Bowl tackle, right? And obviously, that's going to be an issue to, to not have him out there. But you, I like their depth on the offensive line better than I like their depth at slot corner. And so therefore what's more important right now to this team, it's Avante Maddox and, and and he's probably not going to get back. I mean that I assume that's a turf toe. They say, they called it significant, right? But turf toe is, is bad. It doesn't heal within a month. No, no. He made a couple great plays in the first half. Oh, he, was, he, was, he was the player of the game in the first half. Yeah. I seriously think that if he didn't leave the game, they would have won. That sounds ridiculous to say about a slot corner. But, yeah, I mean, yes, he was that. Well, because that's what they took advantage of after he went out. I mean, you got to think about it. This. People, yeah. people got to frame their understanding. Or not, that sounds like snooty. Let me try to 
think of a different way to say this. I think people have to look at it from a larger perspective differently. We talk about CB1. Okay, he's your best guy. He's on the outside. He's lined up against their best receiver. We talk about CB2. You know, he's lined up on the outside against your second best receiver or whatever. But most teams and most most offenses are playing like 11 personnel. They got multiple receivers out there. Um, teams aren't – we call teams like a 4-3 or a 3-4. Three, 4-3 four. Four, three teams don't sit in 4-3 for the large majority of the game. Like they sit in nickel. Like really the Eagles' base defense is nickel. So you're going to have – Maddox, Slay, and Bradbury all on the field at the same time. I think Maddox is just as important as Slay is. You know, because the schematics of being able to move a guy into the slot against Josiah Scott, they just get killed on that. So I think that those guys, I, I don't think of, I, th- I want people to stop thinking of Avante Maddox as like, oh, go, a guy who comes in for nickel. No, I mean, they, they sit in nickel for most of the game. So, I mean, his, yeah. his, his importance, and, and Ant nailed it. I, I knew you would pick it up right away. It's just, it's not a, it's not a take about Avante Maddox or about Lane Johnson. It's a take about the guys behind them. There's less of a drop-off to Jack Driscoll or Andre Dillard or if they move Maialata over than there is going from Vontae Max to Josiah Scott. No, that's, really, that's really all the, the take is predicated on. Yeah, and it's correct. And, and the, to answer uh, Kyle's original question about what the thought on the tweet, um, my only concern, and Kev, I'll ask you this. If you go with that setup with uh, Garner Johnson as your slot and, and Blankenship in the back, do teams with good receiving running backs suddenly become more dangerous? Yeah, or teams that that throw tight ends out there too. Yeah, tight ends too, yeah. I don't know how C.J. Gardner-Johnson is defending tight ends. I mean, I guess I'd have to go back and look at the Saints film, which I'm never going to do. But yeah. um, <laughs> I'm, honest, I'm just being honest. I'm not going to look at fucking New Orleans Saints film to see how he defended. You, know. you could be like uh, Nick Sirianni and watch the Cowboys tape eight times on Christmas. Jesus. Real, real quick. How did, how, like when he says watch the film, like just There's no way. through. There's no way you can watch the game. You can't watch time. it eight times. Yeah. It's like on 32 Christmas. hours worth of, of yeah. No. It's longer than the actual day. Is. Well, what? no commercials. So you got to think that cuts it down by at least 30 minutes to an hour. Yeah. Well, what do they get? And they get the video department sends them like a, a you know, a, or the uploads onto their i their pad. Yeah, the like, speed. It's, like a, a, it's a speed through of the game. Condensed version, right? Okay. But so, I mean, it's still a sixty minute game. So even if you yeah. watch it eight times and you're texting people all day, like he said he was doing, <laughs> right? I mean, that's at least eight hours. At least eight hours. If you're Gardner Minshew, are you like, why the fuck does this guy? Oh, uh, dude, I I wrote this. I don't even know if you posted the blog yet that I wrote, but I was like, Gardner Minshew was probably pulling Jack Daniels, trying to get over the loss, being like, coach, can you just leave me the fuck alone? It's Christmas. Go hang out. Why don't we come back to, why don't we come back on Tuesday, on uh, Monday, and we'll look at it again or something. I think think it was just a little bit of exaggeration that he watched it. Here's the thing, though, it's like, if you have to Denise um, point or, or take or thought there, the only thing is about CJ Gardner Johnson going back and forth from safety to slot and safety to slot. And there's just, to me, that just feels like miscommunication city. Yeah. Right there. You know, yeah. it's like, Oh shit. Now I'm down here. Here's my assignment here. Here's my assignment here. It's like two completely different positions. And for a guy who hasn't played in what's he missed four games now, five games or something like that. I mean, that that's a little weird. They shouldn't need, you know, full strength. They shouldn't need all hands on deck to beat the saints and, and to clinch. So I, but but yeah, it's it's a little iffy. What about Cravon LeBlanc, who is retweeting every Eagles fan that is tweeting him and the Eagles in the same tweet, <laughs> letting him know that he is healthy and he is ready. And the agent has uh, has supposedly reached out to NFL teams and let them know that he was healthy. He had a pretty good couple of years. Obviously, the the playoffs, like he was like the the highest rated quarterback, probably Pro Football Focus. 
uh, in that playoffs, I think back in 19, uh, 18, 19 area. Um, what do you think about Cravon LeBlanc? I always liked Cravon when he was here, man. He's got injured. Strap. What do they call him? Strap, Strap Entertainment. Yeah, Strap Entertainment, right? Strap yeah. in. Yeah. Um, yes, I thought he was. I thought he was a decent enough player here. I mean, why not? You know, there's there's got to be. I don't know. They went into this year with questionable safety depth. They're mm-hmm. okay, I guess, back there now. Um, but yeah, I mean, the drop off from from. I mean, even, even human the- toast. Even on the outsides, yeah, it reminded me of Michael Jaquette last year in the Dallas game that was meaningless. Like, didn't he? Didn't they put up a stat where he got burned for like 182 yards and two touchdowns or something? Like that. That? It's probably that kind of drop. I don't even know who, who's your next outside corner that would go out there, like Josh Job or something. I seriously, like Craven LeBlanc can't be any worse than Josiah Scott at this point. Here's the I'll take the opposite argument on this one. If your name is Linvale Joseph or Indomitian Sue and you're sitting out and then you team needs you and they sign you mid-season, late season, okay, fine. You know, you're an established star player who's still maybe got a little bit left, maybe not enough for a full season, but enough to help a team. Is Cravon LeBlanc a guy that you sit there and go, oh, man, good thing that he's still sitting out there. <laughs> 32 teams could have signed him. He would have, If he was that good, he would have been on one of the shitty teams already yeah. this year. He didn't have a job. Yeah. Maybe, maybe those injuries that you know that you just mentioned, Kyle, are to the point where it's like, man, the guy can't just can't do it at this level anymore. So that's why he's not on a roster. Yeah, this is not Odell know. Beckham Jr. to the Rams yeah. last year on a you know, uh, you know yeah. this is Craven LeBlanc we're talking about here. Let's let's at least like re- reframe the the thing. But yeah, I don't I don't, I don't like I what what is the I think they, they have to look more and more at the depth in the secondary, man, because it's like those drop-offs are just massive. You know, look at they've been playing with like 60% of their starters basically back there for the last couple of games, you know? And mm-hmm. that's my only problem with Gannon. I think that's my main problem with Gannon, I think, is less about like we talk about zone calls that we don't know what the fuck they were actually were, if they were zone or match matchup zone or whatever, but like matchup zone. Look at me, it sounded like I'm talking about the NBA. But the bottom line is like you don't have that is not the strength of your defense right now. You're missing two starters back there. The strength is the defensive line. You know, so yeah, of course they shut down the running game. Zeke and Tony Pollard did very little, but yeah, this is the weakest part of 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 the team right now. And you got to protect those guys. Like you got to you know design something that that keeps the ball away from those dudes. And like we can say without knowing the playbook or what the calls were that the ball went at those guys. And so ultimately there was a failure to do that. All right, we'll take uh, Ant's clip of Craven LeBlanc, and we'll tag him. We'll see if he retweets it on that one. We'll see if he's actually reading these tweets or just retweeting anything that, that mentions his name. Yeah, yeah, that mentions his name right now. Uh, there's one more thing I want to talk to you guys about before we get off the Eagles. Uh, 57 degrees, potential rain on Sunday. Do you play Jalen Hurts with a bum shoulder and Lane being out? Uh, I believe that Gardner Minshew can beat the Saints. Wow. Um, I also like that it's 57 degrees potentially on New Year's Day, which, which, should, which should add to uh, yeah. the ball getting through uh, – Get through the air a little bit more. Um, what do you guys think? I would go I think Gardner Minshew. Minshew. Yeah. yeah, but Minshew played well enough Ant, to to win this game in Dallas. I mean, you to take. I mean, what do we even think of those Quez Watkins interceptions? By the way, I, I, mean, I was blaming Quez the, watching the game immediately, like almost immediately. I sat there and yeah. said, "You got." I not only. I mean, I know people say he was soft. He's got to be stronger to the ball. I think it was more of a matter of. 
he sees the ball coming and then he's lunging for it as opposed to take that one more stride and yeah. it's on target and the defender's behind you and has to interfere with you to break up the play. Those were great plays too. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, so like, I think it's, it's more of, it's, you know, I, I don't blame Minshew for either. And, and I don't care. I can't believe Minshew took blame for the fumble too, because how the hell is that his fault? Boston Scott's fumble, the handoff. Well, and you can even talk about handoffs. You can talk about mesh points and all that stuff. Why the yeah. Why is Boston many, Scott even in the game? Too many f words in this yeah. shot. Why the hell <laughs> is Boston Scott even in the game in that place to begin with? You know, yeah. I'm not that crass. I, I don't curse all the time. Yeah, but yes, I mean, again, that's a, that's a good point, Ann, about like we don't need to know like the the deepest level of it. When you look on the surface, like you can make a point that that guy shouldn't even be on the field in that spot anyway. Yeah, no, but he threw for 355 yards. Let's not give the side. Cowboys Let's here. Do that. Just so people don't think I'm like some, you know, douchey blogger who doesn't give credit to anybody. Like I'm Scooter Magruder or that dork who runs blogging the boys, whatever his name is, RJ Ochoa Ochoa or something like that. Yeah. Um, The three best plays the Cowboys made in that game. Number one, Dak shrugging off the Avante Maddox sack. Mm -hmm. He looked like vintage Big Ben on that play, man. Just like just staying upright, like will not go down and completing the pass. And then the two. They were thrown to Quez Watkins. So even the first one, I thought Gardner Minshew was kind of staring him down a little bit. He was like backing up, backing up, backing up, and he'd throw some like weird shit off his back back foot a little bit, he was sailing a couple. But those are both amazing plays. So those two turnovers in the Dak play. So there you go. I gave I gave the Cowboys credit. And I'll, this is where I go back to my concern about the coaches. This is let's look at it from an offensive side. I think they go to Quez too much. You had Dallas Goddard back in the game, right? Yeah. Dallas Goddard was back on the field. He's the, arguably, yeah. You know, well, he's certainly a top five tight end, arguably top three in the game. Like, why aren't you going? They threw, they targeted him three times. Like that, you got to throw the ball to, to Dallas Goddard more than you're throwing it to Quez Watkins. Yeah, and and you're using Quez over the middle, which is all right, whatever. You want to do it once or twice, fine. But where does he? Where has he got value? His value is his speed down the field, right? He's a big play threat. Yeah, his value is not like to run a five yard hitch. Yeah, no, right. it's I mean, not. He should be run. He should be run. He should be in the the Tory. Oh my God, Smith. Tory, Tory Holt. Tory Smith. Thank you. Yes, Tory Smith mold. Yes, Tory Holt. Jesus Christ. Tory Holt played for the. <laughs> I Eagles would love if Quez Watkins was in the Tory Holt mold. <laughs> Can you tell it's been a long? I only slept for like five hours last night. Um, yes, he should be. He should only be there to take the top off the defense, which is everybody's Stretch favorite phrase five Stretch years ago. Field. You know. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know. Do you? You guys aren't believers in the idea that like. He's always he's a backup quarterback. He's used to throwing to these guys. No, like you don't buy that. Do you? De- Devontae Smith had the game of, of game of the. I mean, he's the best receiver That's on the amazing. field. He's amazing. By the way, can we put can we put officially if it hadn't been put to bed already, the thought that like he might not be big enough or strong enough to he's play. He's fantastic. Him. He was making big, but there was like there were like five or six or seven between both of the teams, like just big boy like elite level c- catches in this game taking huge hits yeah otter had one where he basically went up and just ripped the ball it was awesome and aj brown had one the cowboys receivers are great too that's what i'm saying man. I, can't, I can't that was such a good football game it was good compared yeah. to all of the direct why have we gotten so many direct primetime games this year you go from that well, to watching they, trace mcsorley and tom brady i'm like i felt like i was watching a completely different sport man yeah well, i was mean, happy to be able to watch Good, good football. football. Well, yeah. you, you think about it. I mean, to answer that question, 
real quick. One, Brady's always going to draw a national audience, right? No matter what, no matter no, what yeah. team he's on, it's Brady. Yeah. Um, the other one was, was freaking Denver got all these uh, night games because yeah, they Rams thought they were really lot. good with Russell Wilson. Yeah. And holy hell, was that an embarrassment? Terrible, terrible. <laughs> yeah, yeah, bad. I just, but, the, but again, I just, I can't like, if you use like, I don't know if this is an example of Occam's razor, but if you look at the most simple explanation, they turned the ball over three times. Gardner Minshew played well enough probably to win down there. And there's a bunch of individual plays that didn't go their way. I can't, like, I can't be yeah. concerned about, I'm not concerned about a 13 and two team that's just has to win one more game. I think a, a lot game, of people are looking to the future, though. I think a lot of people are looking to the playoffs, and they're like, I "Okay." Could, but I'm not, but, but I'm not. You know, Vontae yeah. Maddox, Lane Johnson, whatever. I, I watched them win the Super Bowl five years ago with Big V and Nick Foles. Yeah, and yeah. without Darren Sproles, with that. So I, I can't like I, I if if people can contain enough recency in their brain to be able to process just something that happened less than half a decade ago, then it should feel okay about. It. I mean, if if you're scared, get a dog. I don't know why everybody turned into a big pussy all of a sudden because it's like, well, they lost the game. They're 13 and two. They do, they you watch this team win the Super Bowl with a bunch of injuries a couple of years ago. Like, if your head is anywhere, like, you know, in in relative logical world right now, then you should feel like okay with where they were. I can't imagine anybody being like worried. I'd be stunned if they lost to Dallas in the playoffs. I I would be too. I I just, I do not, I do not think that Dallas comes up here and beats the Eagles at home with Jalen Hurts understanding the playoffs. I just do not see it happening. No, I don't either. That makes me a homer. So be it. But I mean, I just feel like everybody's like, we get people who are just waiting for a loss so they can say, I told you so. You're the worst type of fan. (laughs) That there is on the planet. Please go away forever. Like I do, it's like this long con. You know what I mean? Gannon, Gannon, Gannon. Yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but. Okay, you finally got your yeah, but moment on Christmas when they lost their second game. So I don't know. These, these people are just like, I don't know how they, how they like operate every week if they're so right. miserable. No, but you're, you're right, Kevin. You know, I'm not, a, you guys know, and everybody knows I'm not a Homer Eagles fan, right? Yeah. yeah. I, I, I have that objective outside viewpoint because sure. I don't. I don't root for them, nor do I dislike them. I just, they're the Eagles. They just, I just watch them play every week. And I don't think that Dallas could beat them up here in the playoffs. Both teams at full health. Yeah. The Eagles are a significantly better team. Did you guys listen to the Christmas album? Yeah. yeah. What do you think? <laughs> I, well, first, you know me, right? Being a, being a, uh, a theater guy and a director and, and, you know, with all that stuff, I'd cast my a lot of in any musical that I direct. He's so talented, man. Like, he's so good. He's so he's good. Fantastic. He's so good. Yeah. He's yeah. fantastic. We played it. I played it uh, on the, yeah, during Christmas when my parents came over and we were opening presents and stuff. Cause I, I listened to bits and pieces, like the stuff that you reviewed, Kyle, you know, mm-hmm. the stuff that went up on the side where I'm like, this is pretty damn good. Yeah. Everybody and their mother has made a Christmas album. I've listened to some shitty Christmas albums. Like this yeah. one is good. Jordan, my, is super talented. Like, um, you know, Anthony's a theater guy. I'm a death metal guy, but we both can recognize talent where talent <laughs> is. I, you know, it's funny, man, because like when you're like a stupid teenager and you just wear black band T-shirts all the time, like this sucks and jazz sucks and like what well, you know, pop sucks. Right? Yeah. You, one day you pick up a guitar, you pick up, a, you sit on a drum kit, or you try to record vocals or something. And then you're like, oh, this is really hard. Then you have an appreciation for different types of music because you know what goes into making it. You know, I couldn't record half the stuff that they record, like the vocals that they were recording. Yeah, it's a really good album. Yeah, yeah. They did a nice you job. A lot of Eagles fans should go line up on a third and 30 against T.Y. Hilton just to see how what it's really like in a, in a cover two. 
three. Yeah, don't talk about cover two unless you've walked a mile in Josiah Scott's shoes <laughs> or gotten Avante Maddox's turf toe. On the, by the way, can I make an observation? Has anybody ever commented on the Dallas turf? The Dallas turf looks kind of shitty. Well, AJ Brown stumbled. It looked like Lane yeah. Johnson got caught up in it a little bit. Yeah. Um, they all want grass. They all There's want no grass. reason why they can't play on on grass down there, even if it's like 40 degrees and the Texas power grid could, fails. They should have that, with that stadium. They could do what they did in our in Arizona, where you roll it in, roll the damn thing into the yeah. Game. It's just it's, it's, it's on a track, right? Just roll it in, roll it out. I mean, I don't yeah. understand and, why they can't do that. And how is how, how did Jerry Jones not think of the sun coming through the glass? There's a picture of Michael Gallup making a catch with the sun directly in his eyes. Yeah. How did they not think about that? Uh, uh, or or the or the or the damn scoreboard getting in the way of punts? Like punts? Yeah, it's like when I had this huge scoreboard. Well, now we got to repunt for the tenth time. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, exactly. I remember when the first time a dude booted one off of that thing. I was like, okay, you got the world's greatest jumbo trial, but now it's like yeah. interfering with the game. What, this? what are we doing here? You know, I think you should. I think you should tack this onto your retractable roof take, Kyle. I think that yes. I think uh, proper sun. Uh, they should. Uh, should get like uh, Pella windows and doors to do like blinds for all the stadiums or something like that. Make sure you can, you know, somebody can pull down the shades if they have. This is ridiculous. It, it is. It's stupid. And half stadium, the stadium can't even see. Half the stadium can't even see the jumbotron because they'd have to crank their neck up to the to the uh, yeah. to the heavens. It sounds um, like me at the Sixers games where they put us right behind the the basket, and so me and Bodner the whole time are just looking up at the. We're sitting 10 feet from the action. We're looking at the Jumbotron the whole time. We can't see shit. For, the people come out with like the, uh, well, it's Chick-fil-A now. It used to be Wendy's. And they set up like for the commercial right in front of the media area. So there's there's like 10 people standing there holding like Chick-fil-A shit or whatever. You can't see <laughs> like, yeah, did he did he make it or did he miss it? You got to judge off the crowd's reaction. If I go back to the Sixers games, I'm probably going to go sit where Anthony sits for the Flyers games. I'm probably going to go up to Comcast country just so I can see everything. It's not that bad. I sat up there with it one time. You see, you see it from the uh, yeah. from, from the sky. It's it's yeah. actually not that bad. It's a good place to watch hockey. Yeah, you get a well, hockey's always effort. better from above. Yeah. That's why the GM sits up there, right? I mean, it's yeah. hockey. You want to see the plays develop. Basketball. I've sat up there uh, once or twice for basketball, and it's not terrible. It's just it's it's just far. But then yeah. again, I don't like where they put the media either for basketball games behind the net. Like you lose the one corner, right? You, you, the plays down the other end. You got. You don't know. You can't. Is that is that a foul? I got to crane my neck to look around. Taron Hatcher. You can't see shit. Yeah, see I mean, you're just looking up half the time. You know, Big Daddy's taking his shirt off and just waving his, his body in front of Kevin. <laughs> yeah, he sits behind. He he used to sit like behind like three rows to the right or whatever. And like I think it's his wife or somebody. She just screams at the opposing bench the entire game. She goes, <laughs> "Sit down, bench warmer. Sit on that bench." And she done it over and over and over and over again. Like me and Bodner are just looking at each other, like ready to blow our brains out or something <laughs> but uh yeah you can you get a lot of like very interesting people watching and characters and stuff like that when you're down there i remember i turned to rich hoffman one time and i'm like who's this dude walking down Every, like everybody's looking at this dude he's like oh that's gucci main i was like oh shit i didn't even recognize gucci main walking he's like he had like this like bright pink like thing he looked like he was wearing a snuggie or something <laughs> But uh, that's very much the NBA. It's very like CNBC, you know. It's like yeah. very much a place to to be. What did you think know? about the encore proposal over the weekend? Oh, what'd you think? No, I don't, I don't want to comment on that because that guy that guy was getting killed. He was I, funny though. He was taking yeah. it in stride. That's yeah. great. 
I wouldn't do I, that's there's better places to do that. There's more, more creative ways to do that. You don't want to show up to your 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 wife posing at a sporting yeah. event to me is the dumbest thing. Why? It's, it's dumb. It's what? it's just it's like look at me. It's not it's not something it should if you're proposing it should be something that is awesome. Like something that you put a lot of time and effort and thought into. And, and not just show up at the freaking arena and say, oh, they're going to put a camera on us here. He showed up in a uh, in an inflated Franklin costume or, or something, whatever like that. And then he tripped getting out of it. And yeah. he, uh, no. you don't want to spend your engagement with Franklin, the doll, Christian Crosby and 20,000 of your best friends in the, in, in the Wells Fargo Center. No memories forever. You know, I don't oh, know. It, just doesn't, it doesn't it feels like to me like it doesn't mean anything. Like I'm th- you're, just, you're just one of the of, of hundreds of people who have like proposed to your girlfriend at a sporting event. What is I mean, the right? kid was like 21? Like he, he's he, yeah. he, like, so you're an idiot. You don't really have the greatest decisions when you're that age and stuff. Now she was but a dancer. So how she works, she works, the other part of it, she, works she, yeah. she is a dancer yeah. and she is 1000% out of his league. Okay. So like if he waits until 22, 23, 24 years old, yeah. she might not be around. Okay. Now, was was so, Franklin pushing them off the court? No, Franklin was getting in this. Like Franklin wanted to be a part of this more than oh. than they wanted to be a part of this. That's the only gripe I had about this whole thing. If you watch Franklin here, he proposes. This is where he like trips out of the thing. He gets on one knee, proposes, and then Franklin is just all over everything. So imagine. So this is the only gripe I'll have with uh, with Ant is I would love pictures, but now I have pictures with Franklin the freaking dog in it. <laughs> I have another problem with it. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I don't necessarily think, and I'm not one of, I don't want to be a lip reader, okay? But does he ever ask her to marry him? <laughs> does he know. ever say, will you marry me? And not only that, like, does he, like, would you want to tell her, like, why you want to marry her? Like, she's the most important person in your life, the greatest person in the world. Okay, so we're re-racking down. it here. Let's see oh, if, let's she gets see if down Lauren. on his knee. He's laughing. He says, are you going to do it or something like that? I don't even know what it is. And let's- she says yes, and he nods, and that's it. Okay. Any any words coming out here? Yeah, he okay, said, "Will you marry me?" And he shook his head. Yes, like co- coaxing her. Yes. Yeah. I don't think he said, "Would you marry me?" Uh, I, really I think don't. he said, "Will you marry me?" And he and he's shaking his head. Yes, and he's just trying to trying to make sure, like, please, for the love of God, don't embarrass me in front of everybody. <laughs> yeah. Look, here's he the bottom line, line, right? Like, okay, they look, they look. She looks very happy. <laughs> she right? doesn't look very so, happy. Yeah, good for her. You know, I, I thought just, it was a bit for a second because you know how they do all those bits nowadays where people yeah. do the fake proposals and they say no and stuff. Yeah, well, it means infinitely more because she's affiliated with the team, obviously. So there's a connection there. This isn't like some doofus in the crowd just pulled out a ring. Let, for, oh, you you see that mullet? It's kind of let's doofus. also let's also say let, let's imagine just for a second that this marriage lasts for 30, 40 years, right? You know, and they're down the road and they got kids and grandkids, and you know, they're sitting around at a holiday and saying, Oh, grandma, grandpa, how did you guys get engaged? And then they pull out the video. And what do you think the grandkids are going to do then? Is it better than getting engaged in Rittenhouse Square or, or Washington Square like everyone else did or getting engaged Again, at like I, Longwood Gardens like, like everyone else does? Like like everyone else does. Is your, Why do you have to be like everyone else? Why, and, he is like everyone else. He just has the advantage of the fact that she works for the team. And so instead of it being in the stands, it's on the court. Like that's what I'm saying. It's it's not that unique. I've seen other proposals on the court that weren't involving Sixers uh, personnel. Yeah, you got to pay money for that. I know, stuff. but I just think whatever. I don't know. I don't know. I just I think it's different. I would never do it because my girlfriend would say no. But <laughs> like I I applaud this guy for 
first knowing that she's completely out of his league, getting roasted in the comments and accepting it, reaching out to ASAP Ferg and being like, because he was playing during, and I know you know who ASAP Ferg is, Ant. Um, he was playing during the uh, proposal, and he said he'll come in and play at the wedding. So he's oh, got that great. hammered down. So now he's 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 basically like, I don't know, he's got millions of views and everything, and and now he's got a girl that's out of his league. And hey, what else can we what, yeah. what else can we ask for here in this generation of TikTok and so good for him? Man. I think I think I my hot take is that I think more than fifty percent of men are out kicking the coverage anyway. You look at some of the people that the dipshits from Boyertown married. I'm like, holy cow, what did we do here? How did this happen? You know. Well, they give their their father their most giant cow from their farm, and, that's how, <laughs> and they so we pay we pay tribute to yeah. the uh, to and the, they promise uh, their their daughter whoever has the biggest cow yeah. gets the the hot farmer's daughter. I'll tell you a quick story here. Uh, when I told um, my wife's dad is like old fashioned, you know, and so like I was like, well, maybe I'll ask him for permission to. <laughs> marry his daughter even though it doesn't really matter it's just a symbolic thing right you know what i mean so i was like hey norm can i ask you know your daughter to marry me he's like yeah sure and then he bought like a thing of uh champagne right and put it on ice and like i was like delaying it and delaying it. i was like trying to think of the right time to do it and he would he's come up to me he's like are you gonna propose to my daughter or not because i got this thing of champagne and it's been sitting in here for three months like, oh, shit. yeah i guess i better do that you know so, so he kind of uh so i asked him for permission and granted and then he was kind of like all right are you gonna like yeah. do this or not are you gonna be a wuss here you know there's an expiration date on that permission my friend I'm <laughs> I got, it's like i got this thing of champagne like the day after you told me you were gonna <laughs> ask sarah to marry you, you know? yeah. oh man one thing i wanted to ask you guys james harden james harden right before the christmas game supposedly once out according to woge and everything who gives, um, a, shit? Who gives a shit breaking news Free agent may not be here next year. I just did you, know did you read his story? The, this was the worst Woj bomb I've ever had. I've it ever was seen. pretty bad. It, it didn't give any context to it. I have it right here. If Craig can pull it up, the, it was, the, yeah, it was like he may or he may not leave. This oh, was okay. this was this. Thanks. You know what this was, Ant? It was Woj needed something for Christmas. It yeah, this was ever. this was despite forcing his way out of the Rockets in January 2021. Harden has maintained something of a magnetic pull to Houston, drawn to the community, lifestyle, and family there. Sources said after what would become relatively brief stops in Brooklyn and Philadelphia, and move back to rebuilding Rockets franchise would effectively represent comfort and familiarity over an immediate championship pursuit. Uh, Craig, keep that up for right now. I, that that's to me feels like Woj had nothing, like a magnetic I'll pull. I'll tell you what it is, and, and Kevin's right. This is he wanted something for Christmas, but I think it's even more than that. I think it goes back a little further. So let's say because everything was people close to Harden. When you read that, that means he's talked to the agent, okay, or the player himself. But usually it's the agent, and he says people close to, to Harden say this, blah blah blah. So maybe he talked to the agent a couple weeks ago, right? And he told yeah. him this, you know, before the Sixers got on this little bit of a run. And he and didn't whatever, have blah, blah, anything. Blah. And it was just kind of like, you know what? I'm going to hold this out until Christmas when the Sixers are the main. No, seriously. That's true. The no, Sixers are the, are, the, are, the, are the noon game, right? We'll put it out that morning. It'll get a ton of, of, of coverage. You know, everybody watch it. Look at the, the ratings on the Sixers-Knicks game was the best in the NBA ever for the noon Christmas game. I guarantee you this story had a little bit to do with that. Not a lot, but a little sure. bit. Um, and, and so they kind of hold on to it. But what he doesn't expect in the interim is that the Sixers go on a, on a winning streak and start looking like one of the best teams in the Eastern Conference. So he has to probably at that point take the original story and kind of pull it back a little bit. 
And that's when he says, well, you know, depending on how deep the Sixers go, if they get on a little bit of a run, maybe he'll want to stay in Philadelphia. Another, I mean, if you read the whole story, and that's why I was like, what the hell are we writing here? What's the story? He, he has an opt-out, and he may choose it. If he does, Houston's a place he might like to go because he likes the city. But he may not take it because if the Sixers go far, this is a great place for him to have a shot at the championship. But what's the story? Uh, it's compelling. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> like, yeah, at the, the edge of my feet there. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I did the, the last paragraph in there. I, I spliced this all together. For all of Harden's history and connection with Sixers president of basketball operations, Daryl Morey, Tad Brown, his working relationships with Embiid and coach Doc Rivers resemble something closer to a work in progress. I was oh, a little no shit. I mean, they had, they've yeah. been together for less than a year. I mean, true, but I was a little thrown off or taken aback by that. So what I'll take, what my take on that is this. If they make, if they get to the conference final, if they get to the finals, I don't think it matters. He, he comes back next year, regardless. If they don't get to the final conference finals, probably borderline. But if they don't get, if they don't get to the final, I think it's a situation where Harden basically tells Maury it's either Doc or me. Sure. Right. Yeah. Sure. And, and I think that yeah. Maury has Maury then makes that call. They either replace the coach and then Harden stays for a second year or keep they keep Doc and, and Harden goes, all right, I'm out. I'm going back to Houston. Yeah. Right. Yeah, that's fair. These are like, you know, what these are. And it's like when you and I talk and we have these little like tidbits here and there. I'm like, oh, we got a little bit. It's probably not worth reporting right now. Yeah, that's why yeah. I started doing those media. um what am I calling them? Media nuggets, like those notebooks mm -hmm. I started writing. Yeah, yeah. They got a bunch of little individual things that probably aren't worth their own story. Right. Like I can compile them into like a list or whatever. Like to me, that'd be like pulling one thing out of there and making a whole big deal about it because I don't have anything else. Right. It just happens to be a big NBA day, you know. So yeah. like I can see that shit. By the way, let's just let's just establish this right off here. I think everybody knows this. This is not something new or, or amazing, but Woj and Shefty and Shams and all these people, they're not journalists. Right. They're they're information brokers. Right. They are information traders. Right. So this is they they peddle in. That's why when people say like, well, Schefter and Bruce Allen, you know, his methods of getting this information. Oh, he's not a journalist. Right. He, he's he's an information broker. So mm -hmm. they're going to do all kinds of shady shit and enter into all kinds of like agreements and work with people to get this information. Yeah. This is not. This is not journalism. There is no like ethical side to it, really. Like, you know, a lot of scratch my back, I'll scratch your back. Help me help you. Yeah. 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 Okay. More or less. Yeah. But here's a beneficial two way relationship. You know, I'll I can report this shit and whatever. You know. So we, we talked about this a little bit in the uh, in the Slack channel uh, yesterday. Ant had some good points on this. Ten to one odds right now to win the uh, to win the championship. Ant, you seem like you were no, no, being, just uh, to get, just to win the conference. Just to win the conference. Yes, that's just to get to the final. That wasn't to win the NBA championship. So you seem like you were pretty, pretty, pretty high on this team, pretty positive about this team. I, I liked what I saw on, uh, and I'm always the guy on Christmas being like, the NBA season starts now. I'm now going to wait until the Eagle season's over, and that's when the the uh, the, the NBA season will start. But uh, you feel pretty good about ten to one. Well, I I think it's a great value bet. Yeah, I think you have the best player in the game, and I, I would argue that. I mean, Embiid could have been MVP two years ago, could have should have been MVP last year probably your MVP front runner right now. Um, he's the best player in the game. If you have the best player in the game, how can you sit there and say they that a 10 to 1 bet is not a good value on them to reach the championship? Not to say they're going to win, yeah. but to get to the final. 
I think it's a great value. And then if, if you have the t- – if Harden can pl- – look, there are certainly hurdles that can get, come up in the way. Harden can get disinterested again. You can have MB get hurt again. Like things – those things can and maybe will happen because it's the Sixers, you know, track record. Who knows? But if they are healthy – I mean, look at how they're playing right now, and they don't even have Maxi in there right mm-hmm. now. And Melton is a very good defensive yeah. player, very yeah. good for and, – and and if, if Harris is engaged – like this is a solid team, you know. Niang off the bench is nice. I mean, I wish they had another more reliable three guy. I think Niang is sometimes good, sometimes terrible. Um, if they had another, I wish they had another three and D type player. If they did, I'd be even more bullish about them. But you look yeah. at the East outside of Boston. Is there a team that really you get there? Go, this team can't win four out of seven against. I still I, look at the Nets, man. The Nets are playing uh, nice right now. They're they're better than the Nets. They're better and Embiid hasn't played them with a full team or hasn't played them yet. Embiid wasn't in the game that they played, right? They, you know, Embiid, you know, they think Ben Simmons is going to rise to the occasion in the playoffs? Not at all. True. In Philadelphia, Ooh, and Ky- Kyrie is so aloof. Awesome. You never know what you're going to get there, right? I mean, he's a great player when he's on, but when he's not, you know. I mean, Durant's Durant. Durant's awesome, but I no, I like the I like the Sixers better than than Brooklyn. I really do. How much do you do it's, uh, attribute to? the guys being hurt, like you're in beads, your Hardens, and then Maxi in the beginning and, and the backup Sixers actually had to play and get some, uh, some minutes multiple. I think you could attribute that to like how, why the, uh, why the backup guys like shake Milton are playing really well. this year, Anthony It's really funny because I got to cover a few of those games for AP totally dumb luck that it happened to be when all the guys were hurt. I was at the game that Maxi got hurt actually. Um, but, uh, uh, yeah, and I got to watch the play, and I'm like, oh, man, they're going to get killed tonight. And then they came out, and those guys balled. I mean, they mm-hmm. played their asses off. And I get to give them a lot of credit for having that kind of – I'm not a big fan of of Maury as a GM, and I think sometimes he kind of dumb lucks himself into things. Um, and I, I, he may have in this instance because I think that it's a really it, – it's a competitive bench. They're not great talents there. They're not a lot of talented players, but they're not guys who are just – Cast off, cast off bad contract players. They're guys who, if given the opportunity, they're going to give you their 125%, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, they may not be the best players, but they're going to play their play hard. It and, feels and that's all you can that, ask for. That Bucks team that won it all in 2020 or 2021, excuse me. Yeah. Obviously, you got one of the best players in the world. You got a great compliment second guy. Then you got a bunch of bench guys who are just going to give it all for you. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Kev, I defer to you on this. I mean, you covered the team. You watch basketball probably more than I do. I mean, I, I, most likely more than I do. Um, but, you know, are you seeing a, a similar thing with this team? Yeah, it's interesting because there's multiple layers to it. You know, I mean, the, the the big thing going into the year was James Harden's usage and Joel Embiid's usage. You know, I mean, just Joel Embiid. Joel Embiid's one of the highest usage players in the league. You know, when you when they were all out of the lineup, you saw these guys passing the ball and moving and taking shots at whatever. I mean, highest paid player on the team has turned up turned into a catch and shoot three point guy and playing good defense. You know, I mean, so if these people are like like these people, if the, if the guys are like understanding what their roles are going to be when they all kind of settle in and they understand who's touching the ball and where it's going and whatnot, they got enough talent to beat anybody. You know, but it's just that's always been the thing. It's such a weird thing to have your highest usage player be a center in the modern day NBA, you know, and then you bring in another high usage player in James Harden, you know, where they're running pick and roll or ISO or finding these stress points or whatever. I mean, there'd be you have five possessions in a row without Tobias Harris even touching the ball, you know, but if that's what scores you points and so be it, you know, I think they're doing a better job, though, of 
figuring out like what they are and how it's all gonna yeah. how it's all gonna work. But that stretch that you're talking about, Anthony, like those bench guys got a lot of confidence because it's like, hey, they're touching the ball and they're passing and they're moving and they're shooting and they're doing things in transition. And they have a lot of individual pieces that are are kind of a weird fit together. Maxi can get out and run. Harden can slow it down. And Beat will play out of the post and four guys will stand around him, you know. So you know if they if they marry it, which they are now, then then yeah, and sky's the limit, man. Which is what it's what it always has been. Yeah. One more thing before we let you go. Two minutes. Uh, this kind of went under the uh, went under the radar because it was around Christmas. Carlos Correa, did you hear this? Might have to stay with the Mets, even though the Mets found something in his physical. Who would have thought that would have happened? Um, he might have to stay with the Mets or the Mets are going to get clocked in arbitration because Steve Cohen opened his big mouth and commented on the move before the physical was even official. John Heyman says it's about a 55% chance that they actually uh, come to uh, a contract. Uh, it seems like they are going to be a lot of language in that contract of uh, if, if Correa does sign with the Mets because of uh, this right fibula from like 2014. as we've given a lot of people issues. What do you think, Ant? Well, it's classic Mets, right? I mean, I, as soon as it happened, I, I put in the Slack chat, LOL Mets, yet again. I mean, Best. here it is, right? It's great. Um, I Look, I think Correa has been slowly getting less and less valuable watching him. I mean, he had a decent year for, for Minnesota last year, kind of a little bit of a bounce back. But, I, you know, you watch him play. He's not as doesn't have the range he used to have at shortstop, which is why the Mets are like, well, we'll put him at third. Okay, fine. Um, but I, I don't know. I think that the Mets are a situation where they're a very old team all of a sudden. A lot of age on this team, which is why I got frustrated. And I mentioned this to you. I put this in the, when I told you I would come on the show. ESPN put their rankings. Oh, yeah, rankings are arbitrary, right? But they use this, these simulations, the computer simulations and everything else and blah, blah, blah. And they say, where the teams are right now after free agency? The Mets are considered the number one team, and I don't see it. They, they, I don't think they got appreciably better than what they were last year. And last year, I thought that they were a little over their heads. Um, they just spent a lot of money. They spent a lot of money, sure. But, I mean, I think the pitching is an even swap when you look at what went out and what came in. And they add Correa, who's got a little bit of an injury situation, but the lineup is not the greatest. The bullpen is the same as it was last year, and is Edwin Diaz going to be as good this year as he was last year? I don't know. And yet they have them as the number one team in baseball. And guess where the Phillies are? I, I, Kyle, I know you know. I told you. But, Kev, where do you think the Phillies are? For off, You're talking about ranking their offseason moves? No, no. It's ranking right now if they're projecting the 2023 season, oh. and they rank them by, by win total and average playoff, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Where do you think the Phillies came in ranked out of the – uh, 30 teams in baseball fifth 12th wow seventh in the national league they were behind the brewers the cardinals i mean i was like what what are we looking at people is this the espn fpi index for (laughs) i know well Well, it'll be bpi it'll be bpi here yeah i I don't i don't know they they do some kind of baseball simulation and it's bradford doolittle's piece today i just i read it was just cracking up at how how disrespected the Phillies are in that. I'm not I'm not saying the Phillies are going to win 100 games, but come on, man. They had them at 80, Bradford Doolittle. 85. Not had them at less, win, less <laughs> that's wins where you, than last year. That's where you year. lose me. 
You yeah. lose me at Bradford less, Doolittle. Less wins than last year. I don't. I didn't see it. I didn't, Not I related to Sean Doolittle, by the way. He was a death yeah. metal fan. There's your yeah. piece of trivia for you. Um, yeah. Real quick, I just want to say this. Everybody talking about oh, all this money is it good for baseball? Yes, it's good for baseball. Oh, it's awesome. Yeah. Jesus Christ, you talk like th- this is the most interesting NL East in mm-hmm. 15 years. Most interesting Easily. MLB all season in about five to ten. Yeah. Is yeah. spending money bad for a, a league that has no salary cap? No. I want to I, I get out the clip of the Philly captain saying. No dipshit. Nobody cares about you when you met John Rich. No, dickhead. <laughs> can I can I do one off sports complaint? Yes. Before we wrap this up. So I got an email this morning from Uh-oh. Netflix. Now my daughter, do- I just got my do- I know it's because my daughter just got an, a new iPad, right? And it says, uh, hey, Anthony, just want to let you know that a new device signed into your Netflix account. Here are the details. Device, iPad. Okay. Location, I swear to God, this is what it says. United States, in parentheses, this location may not be exact. <laughs> Thanks, Netflix. That's a hell of a, yeah. how am I supposed to know if it's somebody? Because then they ask, if you don't think this is a good login, let us know. It'll change your password. Whatever. Like, how am I supposed to know? United States, but this may not be exact. Well, you're not going to be able to share your password soon. That that much I know. So Netflix, Netflix may be down, going down the shitter. Yeah. Do you yeah. buy the dip? We'll ask Kyle Scott. And and here's my here's my other complaint with 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 uh, Prime. It's a Thursday night football, right? We got the game on. We're watching the game. Um, my one son had to work early Friday morning. And so he's like, Dad, I'm going to go watch uh, watch the rest of it in my room. Okay, fine. Goes upstairs, puts it on. <clears throat> my girl, my girlfriend's son uh, had his girlfriend over, and they didn't want to sit with me, so they want to go sit in another room, but he wants to watch the game. Goes to put it on. Can't watch it. Same house. Can't watch it. Prime does not allow you to watch a, uh, any one show on more than two devices mm. at, at the same time. Yeah. Now, I could have... 50 people with my login and as long as we're watching something different they can watch prime all they want but if more than two people on two different on three on uh, three different screens in the same house want to watch it can't do it well we're going to clip this and we're going to send it to jeff bezos mm-hmm. <laughs> well no he's not, C- he's not ceo anymore yeah he's send to whoever yeah. ceo now yeah some other busy. Douche. Riding his penis rocket up into space and helping out the uh, the forest. Yeah. And stuff. yeah, get the Blue Origin to figure out the location settings. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Really bad. Uh-huh. Oh, <laughs> anyway, well, we gotta fix. We gotta we gotta fix that. You know, we'll we'll set. Yeah, we'll send this over to the Amazon guys. I'm sure we're top of their list right now. That Ann yeah. can't watch two yeah. screens at once in his in his oh three screens. Sorry, in his house yeah. at once. Yeah. Um, okay, what I was agree. the Thursday night football game? Wasn't it shit? No, it was uh, Jets and Jags. Yeah, it was pretty shit. Well, I was watching Dougie P. Doug Peterson. It's true. You wanted to watch uh, Zach Wilson's last game as a Jet. That's, there you go. Yeah, Future Eagles me. backup, according to the douchebag section of Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> that would be hilarious. Yeah. Um, no more no more Mormons allowed under center in, in, in the Novacare complex, okay? We're done we, already got, we already got Britton Covey. You can only really have like one on the roster. Exactly. You know, you're 100% right. And he's getting carried around like a rag doll by his girlfriend on TikTok. So oh, man. You know that'll be a topic going. for Thursday, I think. Yeah. Um, I got nothing else. You guys got anything else? What was your favorite gift this, this year? I got a new uh, new mic. Okay. 
Oh, and, and they upgraded. I got to be honest. I, I was singing the praises of Blue Yeti the other day uh, of the Yeti is that um, it got a new longer cord. Now, the old cord was a was a shitty, real short cord that was easy to knock yourself off, you know, off the thing. And it's more secure in the back of the mic. So you know, I think I was on. If you remember last week when I was on, I accidentally knocked myself off. All mm-hmm. I did was touch the mic cord and it fell right out of the mic. This one is much more locked into the USB port. I, it's vastly improved. So for all, the, all the podcasting, it's it's worth it. It is nice. Economical. Needed it. Good, How about you? Gift. How about you, Kev? Best gift was being able to stay off of Philadelphia sports Twitter for an extra 24 hours. <laughs> oh, he's such a, he's such a cynic. Right. I, Mine was a 60, I got a 65 inch TV and it's fucking yeah. Cool. Hell yeah. You guys come see. I got the 75 inch one. Yeah, I don't know 85. how people, I don't know how people could get a, a bigger TV than 65 inches. It's it literally like we didn't know if it was going to fit on the TV stand. Yeah, I got a 65 in the living room, 75 in the family room. Yeah. Does it really up up your viewing experience any? It yeah. Mounted on the wall? Yeah, yeah. it does. We got to get out the Christian Bale drop for Anthony's TVs. Oh, good for you. <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously, it's like I've got a, an 85 in the bedroom. I've got a 75 <laughs> in my basement. No, it's there's like a, a, there's a 108 inch uh, flat screen in my garage yeah i got three subwoofers uh, yeah. i'd have the one subwoofer i do have one i have one it's, i don't have more than one i have the- can i get here's a i'll end it on this i have a complaint kind of like anthony a technology complaint i have a sound bar that only one sub like works for it so i have the sound bar then there's one sub on the one side of the tv i'm like ocd i need things to be like symmetrical I keep looking at my TV. I got one subwoofer on the left side, nothing on the right side. So, so you, I got to put something on the right. So you side. know what you do? You do like is your your sub Bluetooth, right? Yeah. Okay. So you put it where you sit. Mm. And you put it really close to where you sit, and it mm-hmm. sounds like it's surround sound. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. that's how you do it. Yeah, that's yeah. answer hundred percent right. I've been, been doing it wrong this entire time, just driving myself crazy because I see one on the left side and there's nothing on the right side. Yeah, just bring it across the room to where you sit. You know? I'm kind of like, yeah, I'm trying trying to... like Rain Man when it comes to that kind of <laughs> stuff. I need like I need things to line up like properly. <laughs> yeah. That may have been inappropriate. If it was, I apologize. <laughs> no, I don't think Rain Man had OCD, but maybe okay. he did. Um, he had something. Well, yeah. Well, that's uh, well, he, yeah. Um, well, that's the <laughs> broadcast for today. He did have something. Um, thank you to Ann for coming on. Thank you to Craig Vine, the ones and twos. Thanks to Kev, me, everybody, you listening. I hope you had a happy Hanukkah and happy Christmas, and to all good night, as Merrill Reese would say. Take it easy. We'll see you Thursday.